Hello, this is Saul Gonzalez, lead pastor of Lifehouse Church, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you so very much for joining us today. I believe that through this message, God will encourage you, challenge you, and better yet, change you for the glory of God and for the purposes God has called you. Enjoy this message. Hallelujah. We are so grateful that you're here today. You could be anywhere. You could be at home. You could just be doing very uh, something that is not as important as being in the house of God. And so we're grateful today for your presence. We thank God that you and your heart decided uh, to be in the house of God. Why is that important? Because some of us are tethered. You're tethered to people that are under your care and your keeping and your confidence that need a better you. So why come to the house of God? Because when you come to the house of God, you're in the presence of God. Because when you're in the house of God, you're more likely to praise and to worship. And then when you praise and worship, God inhabits the praises of his people. So why come to the house of God? Not only where you're in contact with other believers, because you become not only in contact with other believers, but other believers get to encourage you. And you might just encourage another believer uh, by your presence or just by a word or your salutation, your greeting. And God may put something in your heart And you might just that moment be somebody that God uses to encourage someone else. Why come to the house of God? Why that is so important as a discipline, as a decision that you make that later on becomes a delight in the house of God? Because like I was saying, you're tethered. There are people that are are wanting a better you, a better dad, a better mom. Uh, You get to bring your kids to the house of God. If you have youth, you bring them to the house of God. And they're more likely to come, dad, especially if the dad comes, uh, the family comes. Um, So I want to encourage you to make it your practice. Make a Sunday, like just make it like part of your week. Like most of us go to work because uh, you need a check. I'd like to have you come to church because you need a check in your heart. You you need your heart to be checked. You you need your vitals to be examined. You need a, a word of encouragement. You need to hear from God and And it's more likely than not that you will hear from God in the house of God. How many say amen? And let's give the Lord a clap offering. And for those of you that are our guests, welcome uh, for being here at Lifehouse today. We just thank God for what God is doing all over, um, uh, you know, in this church. Uh, By God's grace, as some of you know, God has put in the heart of this pastor and our pastors uh, to, to lead uh, the lost to Christ, to, to reach folks that are struggling, that are broken, unchurched, de-churched. There's thousands of people, friends that you have that grew up uh, when they were young in church, but something went wrong. Probably a, a lot has gone wrong, with, probably with the church, uh, but, but also things go wrong in life. And so there's people that have been decoupled, de-churched, uh, and that are needing just for you to, to be their, their uh, a rampart, uh, for you be that, that bridge, for you to tether them. Um, and so God has called us to reach the lost, including those that are unchurched and de-churched. God has called this church, all our campuses, uh, to reach and retain the next generation, to reach and retain our kids, our children, and our children's children. And we work really diligent. Uh, my wife is oversees that ministry of children. Uh, and, and by God's grace, God has been good to us. And we love children because God loves children. Uh, and so so we want you to, the third thing is that God has called this church to disciple the believer. That would be you. And one of the ways to disciple believers is not only to encourage you to come to the house of God, but also to encourage you to get connected uh, later on to, to be part of a life group, a small group, uh, a life group where, where you get connected 
where a place where you belong and a place to grow in others and where a place where God can use you. And then God has put in our heart to, to have a pipeline of leadership, to, to be able to encourage, equip, and empower the leader in you, emerging leaders that some of you might feel a call toward ministry, toward teaching, toward being a better minister or a servant one day, or just being a better leader overall. And so God has called this church to encourage, equip, and empower emerging leaders. And then the, the fifth thing that God has called us to do as our fivefold focus is to plant churches. This is we feel in my heart that God has called us to, to plant churches, to be able to parent a church, to partner with a church, to pioneer a church, um, and or uh, um, um, birth a church, plant a church, plant a church. And so by God's grace, God has given us the covering to, or to be able to birth two churches in, in Tijuana. There is a, in Tijuana, there is a few, this May, the, next week, um, we're going to be launching Tijuana, uh, no, Lifehouse TJ. And, and that's the name, Lifehouse TJ. Like when we talked about Casa Vida, no, we want Lifehouse. We want to say Lifehouse TJ in Espanol. How many say amen? Lifehouse TJ. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. That'll be our second campus in TJ. The other one is called Casa Vida, our Spanish name, Casa Vida Tijuana. Uh, God has been so gracious to us to just be able to to parent or, yeah, parent and foster a church in Coachella Valley uh, by God's grace. And and then uh, East Bakersfield, they are doing phenomenally. They're growing by leaps and bounds. That church where we originally came from or the campus, uh, um, uh, Lifehouse Wasco, uh, it does, it, God is doing great, great things. And of course, Lifehouse Delano, two Sundays ago, we had the pastor, our campus pastor from Lifehouse Delano here, uh, uh, Pastor Gabriel. And so what I wanted to share with you is that your uh, coming, you being part of what God is doing, your giving uh, is making a difference. Uh, you fostering a spirit of, of this is not just a one local campus or church um, that is living for itself in and of itself, uh, and by itself, that you and I belong to a family of God, uh, to a family of host of networks of churches. Uh, we belong to a, a, a movement, a nomination that's called the Assemblies of God or the AG, the Assemblies of God. That means that this church is under a covering. This pastor is under a covering. Uh, there is a denominational frameworks that we believe that this church, every church should be theologically correct, biblically led, spiritually led, spirit led. So we are a spirit-led church. How many say amen? We believe in the person and the power and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. We believe that Jesus Christ through the Spirit of God baptizes and blesses people with like supernatural gifts that we call and we know as the person of the Holy Spirit. How many say amen? Uh, because the Holy Spirit makes the difference. The Holy Spirit will empower the believer to live a life way above your own power, your own ability to, to be able to be victorious over sin, over temptation. Uh, the Holy Spirit will give you insights. It's called the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge. Uh, it's just this, where the Holy Spirit will move through your life to believe for healing for someone else. It's called the gift of healing. Or the Holy Spirit will move you to believe for miracles. It's called the gift of miracles. How many say amen? The Holy Spirit will say, say something. It's called the, the gift of prophecy or giving somebody a word. And, and so that's why we embrace this church is a spirit-led church. Say it with me, spirit-led. Spirit -led. It is so important for all of us to be spirit-led. This church is multicultural. 
That means there are white folks here. There, there are African-American church here folks. Uh, you know, there are Hispanics, way too many Hispanics. There's Asian churches. I mean, Asian, we have this Asian folks that, that are part of and tethered. Uh, and because we want the cornucopia, we, we want to be diverse. We want to reflect, we want to deflect, reflect uh, the population in Bakersfield and the greater part of Kern County. We want to see it in the house of God. How many say amen? So amen, let's give the Lord a clap offering. So Lifehouse is a spirit-led church. Uh, it is a multicultural church. We believe that that, that should be the body of God. We're a multi-generational church. We have children here, great-grandchildren, uh, grandchildren that come to this church that some of you are bringing. Uh, we have our children, we have uh, our generation, and we have our parents and we have grandparents. Uh, so we are a multi-generational, uh, multicultural, and here's the other word, multi-site. We are a multi-site church. Um, and we're a multi-site church of life groups with ministries, life groups. So why am I taking a little bit of time to share this? Because I believe that you, all of us, from time to time, need to be remembering, uh, remember who we are. We're spirit-led, we're multi-generational, or we're a multicultural, we're a multi-site church uh, of life groups who follow Jesus, who are in love with Jesus, and we wanna lead others to Jesus Christ, to the glory of God the Father. How many can say, Amen. One more time. So give me a good amen. amen. To the glory of God, to the glory of God. Uh, today, we, uh, like, we're excited all over our, all our campuses today are launching this new series that we called uh, uh, Overflow. Overflow. It's the spirit of abundance. It's the spirit that really encapsulates and captures the heart of God for your life. God does not want you to barely make it. It is not God's plan for you to suffer and struggle, especially in every area of relationships where, where there's no overflow, there's a deficit. Some of us are, are living in situations where you go and you get decharged. Uh, you're not being charged by your relationship, by your family. You are being basically, the energy is being sucked away, your joy, your love, your peace, and you go into certain, certain situations, dynamics, circumstances, environments where you uh, are suffering um, and you're struggling in that environment because it's not a positive one. It's not an encouraging one. Uh, and so that's why coming to church is really important that you charge your spiritual batteries, that you have something greater in you that what you're facing out in the world and that you receive the, the encouragement, the wisdom, the direction that we all need. And so this, this premise behind this message uh, overflow is understanding the heart of generosity. It's first of all, understanding the heart of God and his will for your life, that God wants you to have more, not less. God wants you to be more and not less than what he wants you to be. Um, God is intending to enlarge your territory, uh, to be able to give you the ingredients or to highlight the ingredients he's already given you, sharpen those tools, especially the tool of faith, and, and to cultivate, that you would cultivate a heart that is in keeping like the heart of your father, the heart of God, and the heart of God is uh, generosity, or for us to cultivate a heart and a spirit that is generous. There are the elements of giving today. And so for those of you that are friends and guests, uh, we are not trying to think, uh, we are not trying to move or manipulate anyone toward uh, financial uh, commitments. Uh, but for those of us that are believers, for those of us that are mature, for those of you that call Lifehouse your church, I want to challenge you as a pastor, I'd like to challenge you and look at your giving, at your spirit, at the heart behind 
of your, the practice as to why we give and how we should give in a way that pleases God's heart. So it, when it's all said and done, it's about a generous heart. Because the Bible says that from the abundance of the heart, uh, your, your mouth is going to talk. Not only that, but in, in Jeremiah, this is very powerful. In Jeremiah uh, chapter 9, the Bible says that the heart by itself, the heart by itself is, 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 is desperately wicked or it's, 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 uh, yeah, it's evil. That there's nothing good that comes from your heart. That, um, and it's desperate. It's not only evil, but it's desperately wicked. And who can know it? So, but a heart that's been touched by God, transformed by God, is a heart that should have and walk in keeping with the Spirit of Christ. So the Spirit of Christ is reflected in the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit of Christ is love, joy, peace, uh, gentleness, gentleness, faith. The Spirit or the gift of the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit uh, is meekness and, and having this, this ability to, to have long-suffering, the, the Spirit of that I can endure, I can hang in there because that is one of the, the gifts or the Spirit of Christ the spirit, uh, the gift of the, the fruit of the spirit is the, the spirit of Christ. And, and then self-control at the end, the anchor of all these nine uh, fruit of the spirit is self-control. And so at the heart of what God is trying to do here today, I want to be able to just remind you that, that God is encouraging everyone uh, to, uh, since then, since Christ has been, uh, since you have been raised with Christ, so when Jesus came out of the grave and he was raised from the dead, we were raised with him. How many say amen? You and I spiritually and, and in authority, the authority that is in Christ Jesus, you and I have been given the same authority. The Bible says we are seated in heavenly places of authority with Christ Jesus. Now I want you to see this verse because this is the aim, this is the heart of this message. So since then, uh, you, since you have been raised with Christ, uh, God is asking you to set your heart on things above so set your heart this is not a message to try and get you to to be materialistically inclined that i'm going to prosper i'm going to have more and that could be the end result by the way prosperity is more the end result of good stewardship of good stewardship uh, whether you're a believer or not so you handle things right you handle your business uh you do things in an orderly way you exercise stewardship and god is bound to follow his own laws that 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 have to do with sowing and reaping uh, investing and, and receiving dividends that are that is due to stewardship. But God's heart is for you to put first the kingdom of God first, for you and I to set your hearts on things above. How many say amen? That's where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then after your heart is right, he says, set your minds on things above. So your heart and your mind in alliance, uh, in alignment uh, on the things that are heavenly things, the, the principles, the eternal things, the things that are connected with the kingdom of God, uh, with eternity, and not with the things that are earthly. And, and though that everything that is heavenly connects with the earth, uh, that whatever two or three bind on heaven, in heaven shall also be bound on earth. There is a connection between heaven and earth. When Joseph had his dream, he dreamed of uh, heavenly, the stars and the sun uh, and the moon. Uh, but he also dreamed of sheaves. And with his feet on the ground, if you will, he dreamed of the harvest of the hard work that he needed to do in order one day for to have the obeisance, the, the homage uh, of his family and the, his brothers one day would bow to his, not to him as a brother, but to his position that he had achieved in this life 
would acknowledge, if you will, would acknowledge the growth that Joseph did, that in 13 years, he was bilingual. He could, at, the, at the beginning of his, of his journey, he only spoke Spanish. Joseph did. Thank you. And then he went to America, Egypt, and he learned English. Come on, people. Yeah, he was bilingual. So by the time his brothers came, they only spoke Spanish. So he got an, an interpreter. And he had changed so much. He had evolved, Joseph did, that in a few short years, he grew, he developed, uh, he, 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 tr he was transformed, and, and he was going through an interpreter. He could understand them exactly. But that's how much he was able to evolve. And, uh, and then, so they acknowledged, and then when they bowed to his position that he had achieved, the Bible says that Joseph remembered his dreams. How many say amen? The things from above. Look at what Paul says in the spirit of, of abundance, of, of overflow, the spirit of overflow. Uh, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whosoever sows generously, generously will also reap generously. So let me pause here because it's very important. So Paul says in Galatians 6, 9, that, that, that whatever a man sows, sows, whenever the, 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 the genre in kind, that whatever you sow, that's what you're also going to reap. That no one can mock God. No one pulls a fast one on God. No one is too smart for God. Nobody outfoxes God. So there's a rule for everybody, uh, uh, rich or poor, uh, um, a believer or non-believers, Christian or pagan. It's the rule of reciprocity. It's the law of the harvest. It works for everybody. Just like the sun uh, comes up over the righteous and the unrighteous, God set some laws in motions, and this law of reciprocity, or the law of the harvest, uh, basically uh, is not a respecter of persons. God respects this principle, that whatever a man sows, that is exactly what he's going to, to reap, or she's going to reap. If you sow to the spirit, to the things of above, you, you will get spiritual blessings, uh, eternal life and wisdom and direction and peace that surpasses all understanding. But if you sow to this flesh, uh, avarice and greed and envy and jealousy and hatred and anger, then from this flesh you will reap corruption. You won't be able to sleep at night. You might have a great bed or a, a soft pillow, but you won't sleep because God gives his, the Bible says, to his beloved. Uh, to people. He gives rest and he gives peace to those that are in right relationship with God. So money can buy you a very expensive bed and a soft bed, but only God can give you rest. Only God can give you peace. So, so, so there's the what you reap as what you sow, or what you sow is what you reap. And here Paul is saying that there's a second law. It's not only what you sow is what you reap, but how you sow. In the spirit, now you watch, the spirit of joy and hilariousness or, or, or cheerfulness, but also the amount you sow, the, the quantity, the proportion to your income uh, that you decide, that you decide that, that me and my family, my wife, I'm going to be this kind of giver. Uh, I'm going to be a tipper, somebody that gives God a tip, or I'm going to be a giver that acknowledges that everything I have, I know or will ever have come from God, and why am I going to be stingy with God? Why would you want to be stingy with the source that gives you everything? Why do you, why would we want to hold back from the, from the person uh, that gives us everything? And I've shared with you many times, I won't, I won't, you know, share it with you again, but, you know, I bought a meal for people. 
And that person, you know, for, uh, friends and family members, I bought it. And so we were all sitting in a table and, and I ordered something that did not include French fries. We were at McDonald's because I'm a great spender. I'm, a, I'm generous. And so I just, this, this, this other person ordered extra large. This other person, believe me, this other person did not need extra large French fries. But that's what the person ordered. And so I just reached over the table and just grabbed two, just, just, just a few French fries. And this person just said, hey, like, and he moves this meal back, says, these are mine. And in my mind, I didn't tell them because there was other people around. But, but I told, I just paid for those. I paid for them. And I was thinking, this is the last time I want to pay for something for you because, okay, never mind. Oh, I'm getting mad just thinking about it right now. The flesh was taking over. But, but my point is that everything you and I have come from God. Come from above. Every good gift, every perfect gift, every talent you have, every open door you, you, you uh, walk through. Uh, every favor, every grace, every dispensation, every mercy, every mercy, every kindness that God sheds upon you comes from God. But it, when it comes to giving, something happens. We are bewitched. Uh, something takes over our, our, our minds and our heart. When it comes to, to giving God, there's, there's not a connection between the parallelism, the parallelism between receiving and giving. So folks, I don't give uh, in order to receive. Uh, I, I don't give in order to receive. I, 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 I receive, I receive from God because Linda and I have decided to give. So you receive because you give, but God doesn't want you to give like for like, like it's a quid pro quo. God, I give you, you give me. I am faithful. You are faithful to me. No, God says, Paul says, you and I are unfaithful, period. But God is still faithful. That's what Paul says. It's not like, okay, God, I've been faithful. I've been faithful, and, and God is not looking for martyrs. Oh, look at how much I've suffered for you. Uh, get over your bad self. You've not suffered that much, especially in the United States of America. Uh, there's, there's, uh, how many say amen? This is not about suffering. This is about principles, about reaping and sowing, so that if you sow generously, you're going to, God is saying it, not pastors. You can expect a generous harvest. Now, what you do with that harvest is up to your stewardship. The problem why a lot of us have a problem is not because God has not been faithful. It's because you and I have not been the wisest steward. You and I have been wasteful while God has been faithful. Uh, we, we're indulgent and we look for this and we overspend here and we overspend there. And we go from one indulgent, from one celebration, from one party to the next. Um, and there's a lack of order or budgeting or structure or wisdom or stewardship or administrative uh, you know, engagement and, and identifying what you have and what you're spending and how much debt uh, we are walking into, especially in the spirit of, of always trying to please this flesh. And I want this. And you go to a store or you go to somewhere and there's a lot of men here with a lot of expensive toys. Men, a lot of expensive toys. Toys that are parked in a garage that probably get used two or three times a year. Uh, that if you sell them and you give most of the proceeds to this church, God will bless you. I'm... Okay, give some of the proceeds to the church. God will bless you. Um, I, I lost the anointing right there. It's just like left. 
So watch, watch what Paul says, each, everyone, that means it's individual. Each of you should give, should give. That's a mandate. The Bible says when you pray, when you fast, and Jesus says, Matthew chapter five, when you give. So giving is a command, it's an expectation, when you give. Like when you give, how are you going to give? In what proportion? What's the spirit? What's the attitude when you give? So all of us pray, especially when we're desperate, whether you know it or not, you're somebody who prays. All of us are thinking, hey, God, help me, you know, et cetera. Uh, you know, not too long ago, I was being pulled over by a, a CHP and I was praying, oh God. Okay, never mind. I think I'll leave it right there. I had to write a check. Yeah, it's a long story. My wife was with me and I said, honey, pray. Then when I still got a, when I still got a ticket anyway, I said, honey, you know, your prayer life needs a lot of improvement. Oh, that's what happened right there. It's just like, like the efficacy of a righteous prayer. Like it wasn't there. Um, so each of you uh, should give uh, what you have decided in your heart, in your heart. It's a, it's a heart. It's a matter of, of the heart um, and to give. Uh, not reluctantly, not like, oh, I have to, and not by compulsion, not because you're being forced or somebody's manipulating you. So it's not by compulsion, but it shouldn't be. Reluctance is internal. Like there's a, there's a hesitation. There's like, like, man, I don't want to. Compulsion is external pressure. So you should not pressure yourself or hold yourself back and don't let any preacher, any person pressure you through any kind of psychology. Giving is a scriptural principle, spiritual thing. Giving is a sacred thing. It's, it's your relationship with God that matters. It's, it's what your understanding of what the Bible says with respect to giving. And you should uh, be open to whatever God wants to tell you because you want to be where God is. You want to be in right keeping with God and his word, no matter if it, if it offends you or not, um, you need to, all of us should be thinking, I want to be where God is and I want him to, I want to have the understanding God through his scripture wants to give me, uh, not through, not, don't be, don't give reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves the cheerful giver. For God loves the cheerful giver. So I did a little bit of study there on loves the cheerful giver. I just, I just like, why, what is it? So it's not because God, you know, doesn't love somebody who doesn't give. So for those of you that are stingy, or those of you that, that don't give, those of you that are reluctant and you don't have a system of giving, you haven't developed, would you help me with this mic up there? Just lower it a little bit. Uh, you, you haven't, you don't have a, a way, you haven't decided there, maybe we lack the maturity. But God loves the cheerful giver. And in this phrase, it's, it's the, the, the person that decides to have joy while they're giving. It's a choice. It's a decision. It's, it's to have joy or to be hilarious. Because the end result, because the person is not only seeing the, that, that, hey, I am subtracting from, let's say I have $100 and I'm giving 10 What's the joy of having less, having 90 and not having 10? But for the spiritual person, for the person that realizes, says, God, you've given everything I have and, and I, I get to give. I don't have to give. And, and I realize that what I'm giving, what I'm giving is to you. So you're not giving it to a man and you're not giving it to a church. 
Maybe you're giving it through a church to God. But the person has spiritual maturity because watch, and because you say, God, that, and I get to give it to you and God, boy, what I give to you is the greatest seed, is the greatest investment that I could ever make in the history of mankind or in, the, in my life. In other words, you can invest in, in, in stocks and bonds. You can invest in properties. But when you give to God, you give to God's hand and you're investing in the kingdom of God and things that scale for eternity. Things that scale for eternity. They make a difference in people's lives and you and I get to give and God loves the person that's already wrestled with this and says, I'm going to give and I'm going to make up my mind that I'm going to have the right attitude and the right mindset because God loves the cheerful giver. So kids are by nature selfish. Every once in a while, we're shocked, we're surprised by our kids mostly by our girls. Daniel's still cultivating a generous heart. But everyone, <laughs> oh, he's babied. The mom totally spoils the kid. Um, but every once in a while, Daniel or our daughters will come and they have something that just, just like blows us away. And, and it's costing them from their money or from their heart, or they took time to surprise us and, and they're doing it, and the joy, not only that, that it's not that they had joy in, in, in taking that money, it's the joy, the, the cheer that they put on, the smile that they put on us that gives them joy. So when you give, God smiles. When you do it in the right spirit. How many say amen? God loves the cheerful giver. So when you give, just decide, I'm going to do it because I realize it's, 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 this is connected with eternity. This is not selfish giving. This is not uh, leverage giving. Uh, this is not arbitrage where you give and, and because you're going to get back. That's what the word arbitrage is, is that you're maximizing, you're leveraging what you're doing. No, when you give to God, you're freely releasing that which God has given you and it causes you great joy to know what God is doing with your gifts because you've decided that you're going to do it in the right spirit and watch this, and God is able to bless you abundantly. God is able to bless you abundantly. God is able to bless you abundantly with overflow so that in all things, say with me, all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. How many say amen? Here's some reasons. If you have your outline just this is a great outline today. Would you guys just take it and fill it out with us? Here we go. Here's some reasons, reasons why most of us hesitate, why we're reluctant, why we feel like, why we struggle with giving. Here it is. The first one, and probably the greatest one, is fear. The, the fear of scarcity. Of, of a lot of us struggle with lack. We struggle with budgeting. We struggle with, with just making it paycheck to paycheck. And if I give God, if I give God uh, a tithe, if I bless the kingdom of, if I come and give God generously, if I decide my wife and I, we decide this is what we're going to give. Uh, this is what we receive. And out of everything we receive, we're going to give God, not only do the, my wife and I tithe when I, when I first met her, we were going to get married. Uh, it was just blessed my heart that she was already a tither and I was a tither. And then it just blessed my heart that she already gave automatically to missions, to missions. And I love missions. I, we give to missions. We, we don't announce it as much. Well, there's also a place where you could give to missions, where you can help missionaries. And we always felt that if we're going to indulge on a, 
and, and pizza, or if we're going to indulge in having some accurements and, and different, uh, just, just indulgements, indulgements. The very least that we could do is, is the same amount of things that we give for ourselves as a pleasure or as a, you know, basically being um, entertained for entertainment. Uh, we try to give for missions. How many say amen? We give to missions because somebody's out there in a different predicament uh, and we feel like we need to give. Watch what God says about fear or, or why we get back or why we hold back fear. Afraid that you're not going to make it. Afraid that you're not going to have enough. So Jesus says, Jesus, so, so why do you worry? Uh, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Uh, we've got so little for the pagans run after these things. Uh, they run after material, material things that you need. All of these are necessities um, um, for the pagans run after these things. But your heavenly father knows, he already knows that you have need of them. So your um, pursuit should be seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you as well. How many say amen? So you put God in first place and he will put you in first place. Uh, you uh, acknowledge God above all things. Look above. Uh, focus on the things of above and not the things are of this world. The second reason why we hold back and you write it down in your outline is, is love of money. Love of money. And uh, this verse is, uh, has, has, um, it has a unique translation in the Greek. Um, I don't, I, I'm not going to, I'm going to mispronounce the Greek word, but the love of here, the love of money is not like agape love or any of the other loves that most of us, uh, it's a love uh, that has to do with a fascination, with obsession. It's the obsession that we have over money. Something happens with, with money and us. Um, uh, it bewitches us. It's, it, it's, there's, a, there's a power that, that comes over us that is almost... Um, dangerous. It's almost like a, um, I, I would call it a bewitching. It's probably the best word, a, a fascination, uh, an obsession with money that man, you could be very generous with your time and you could be a very generous person and, and you could like be very just, just, but when it comes to money and giving money, like something happens to us, it just, we have a different mindset. And so, um, it says it doesn't, the, the love of money is not the root of evil. Uh, it's, 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 um, or, or, or the root of evil is not the love of money. The root of all evil. You've heard it say the root of all evil is not the love of money, but, but this fascination, this obsession with money, uh, this, this connection, this bewitching relationship with money, um, is the root of all different kinds of evil. It leads to all kinds of evil, uh, is what scripture says. And the better translation is the NIV translation that says for the love, love of money, the fascination, the obsession over money, the, the, what it does, like, like people steal, people rob, people kill, murder for money. Uh, but it's not the root of all evil, not the root of all evil singular. Like for example, when Eve uh, fell, it wasn't money. It wasn't when Cain killed Abel, it wasn't because of money. With, with Cain, it was jealousy. Jealousy came over because God accepted Abel's sacrifice and he rejected his heart behind his sacrifice. And so what I'm trying to share with you is this, is that this fascination, this obsession uh, with money, that, that you see money as your, re as your source of strength. Um, people see money as their source of greatness or their source of confidence that comes from money. 
and that would be a big mistake to watch. Uh, for the, the, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people eager for money, or the avarice is another word, the Greek word is avarice. You're, you're greedy for money because the greed takes over, have wandered from the faith and have pierced, have burnt themselves with many griefs, with many griefs or grievances. Many marriages are destroyed because they don't handle money. Uh, because something happens. There's a lot of men that, that hide money or have toys. And a lot of our sisters, a lot of our wives become just a, um, um, they've, they've got the gift of spending and, and, and going to malls. You know, I don't know. I'll stop right there. I'll stop right there. Uh, so number three, what holds you back is the lack of trust in God's provision. The lack of trust in God's provision. There's something that happens where you and I struggle with trusting God, with trusting God, uh, that he's going to provide, that God is going to be your provider, that God is going to be uh, your source, not the money, not your boss, uh, not, your, uh, not your workplace. They are a source, but the source of every blessing, of every good and perfect gift is God from above. So the lack of trusting God is really a trust, a lack of trust of God and his word and his promises. Uh, Philippians 4.19 says, And my God, my God, will meet all your needs, Paul says, according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Uh, my God will provide you blessings and, and, and this encouragement, this encouragement uh, of that he is your source. The fourth reason why a lot of us hold back, and here it is. Here's the probably number one reason is we're selfish. We're selfish and we are greedy. Selfishness and greed is what holds back from us releasing and blessing the kingdom and being generous and, and identifying that, that level of giving. Uh, for my wife and I, is, 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 it's a tithe. And, some, and we give more to projects and we give to missions. And every time God tugs her heart or tugs my heart, we go ahead and make out a check. Uh, even though we are on a budget, we are on a budget. Uh, not too long ago, I've shared in the services that that it was time for us to get new tires for the van, and and you know we have a um, um, what we call a, an emergency fund, and and sometimes that fund we have to dip into it. And I was saying, you know, and, and I was just thinking, God, you know, it'd, it'd be great if we didn't have to, you know, after looking, it was a thousand dollars for you know the tires balancing, et cetera, et cetera. And I just felt, you know, in my heart, I was just praying that week. I said, oh, I'm going to wait two or three weeks. Um, God, you know, bless and protect these tires in the meantime. Um, because I just felt like I didn't want to dip, you know, I just, just, and, and after one of these Sunday services, last supper, it was last summer. Um, just, just a person was waiting for us. It's just, we're waiting and, um, just, just comes and, and we were like finishing off Linda with the kids. And this person comes and, and has a, a, an envelope and says, Pastor, you've been a blessing to my family, my husband, my wife. I mean, my husband, it was a sister that had it with the husband. And we, you, this church has been a blessing. And just because God today put it in our heart uh, to just, just bless you. And we want to give you this offering. So I, I, a man, I said an offer. I mean, I said a prayer for them. And we just, it was just a really special moment. And I thought to myself, when we go, we usually go to lunch and these kids are expensive expensive restaurants are expensive you know but but that's our sunday tradition uh, like we'll go so that nobody has to cook because i don't want to cook after church
pray for me. Pray for me. There are certain lines no man should ever cross. No man should ever cross. Not even, especially a church. <laughs> especially a church. So like, we took the offering, said a prayer. And um, it, it was $1,000 that that envelope had. And on Monday, I went straight to, to get those tires uh, for that van because God knows your needs. God knows your needs. And a lot of us stop giving God because we get selfish and greedy. Now, I want to run through these verses. Uh, Jesus says, Jesus says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Avarice is the word avarice. Because life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. It does not, life does not come from the things you own. Life comes from God. Uh, and avarice just takes away the joy of being a giver. Uh, in, in Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 40, uh, 44, we have the story of the uh, widow that there's many, many people giving, many people that came and, and rich men. And Jesus was watching the collection box just, just there in the Jewish temple as people gave. And they were depositing great sums of money. Uh, and, and they would clang because they had a copper, a metal, if you will, brass horn. It was like a, like a shoehorn, a big it, 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 container went. It was inductive uh, from a big circle to a smaller that fell in a box. And when, when the men came, there was no dollars, there was no checks, there was no uh, paper money. It was all coin, copper, silver, and gold. And so people, that the rich people would, would bring their sack of money and make it clang, 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 like what happens when some of you guys go to Vegas. It's just, but we never see those tithes. They don't, they don't seem to come in, your earnings. Uh, and you can't take your losses and take them away. Okay, these are good. Um, but when this widow got there, Jesus was observing and two little copper coins and, and she goes, and, and she gave two copper coins and it goes clank, clank, almost like, like underwhelming. And Jesus says, it's not the amount of money. It's what's behind the giving. It's the heart behind. It's, it's the why, not how much, but in the spirit in which is what does it represent when you give? What is the heart behind your giving? Is there a sacrifice? Is there a decision? Is there a devotion? Is there a commitment? Uh, is there a rule uh, uh, that you've made up in your mind and in your heart? What does God deserve if he doesn't deserve the best? Uh, is God not deserving of your best? It, and then it has to do with your heart. Uh, so at, this, at the end, when it's all said and done, generosity is not about, or generosity is about the heart and not the amount. Would you guys come? Generosity is about the heart and not the amount. Uh, two more things that I'd like for you to write, and then I'd like to end with a couple of verses. Uh, sacrifice. Um, sacrifice is what is really counts. What really counts, what really scales is, is the sacrifice behind your giving, your decision, your joy, your attitude, and when you give, it's not the amount, it's your heart. And when you give, if you do it and you know that you're struggling and it's tight, but you're putting God first, I just want you to encourage you. Trust God. Trust God. He knows how, what a sacrifice. Yeah. And God values sacrifice over, uh, or, or, or obedience, your obedience and your sacrifice. God will take that and we'll make it scale. Number three there on your notes, just to kind of finish off your notes there, God sees and God values 
God sees and God values our giving, even when others don't appreciate it. Maybe this church has not said thank you enough. And maybe others don't appreciate it. Your, your hard-earned money and you're putting away that gift for God when we give or your tithes, your offerings, your missions giving. Uh, and to you, it, it is emblematic of a sacrifice. And maybe others don't realize, but God sees it and God treasures it and God rewards it and God values it. Uh, Luke uh, 6.38 says, Give and you shall receive. Your gift, your gift will return to you in full. So this is not Pastor Saul. This is not the Assemblies of God saying that. This is God. This is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ himself is saying that to you, to everyone who struggles with giving. Uh, your gift will return to you in full, but, but in a greater way, pressed down, uh, shaken in a sack or in a sackcloth. Uh, to make more room, that's what would happen. You shake and you make more room. And then running over, here it is, the word overflow, overflowing uh, and poured into your lap. That's what's going to happen. The, the amount that you give will determine the amount you get back. The amount you give or the measure that you give is, is what you're going to get back in return. Um, Acts 20, 35, Paul says that uh, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ that it's more blessed to give. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And the last word, the last verse that I want you to just take with you, that you must decide in your heart how much you want to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person that does it out of their free will and does it with joy and does it with cheer. And then God challenges all of us, honor the Lord with your wealth with your substance, with your giving, uh, with the best part of everything you produce. Then here's the promise that he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Would you bow your heads with me? Your vats will overflow with good wine. Thank you, Father. I know that this message is a, it's a quite maybe a, a departure from our normal series. But the truth is that many of us are stuck in our finances. Many of us are stuck and we have not experienced overflow uh, because we've struggled with, with giving. We, we struggled with, with stewardship in this area. We struggled with your heart and our hearts are not in line. So there's a reluctance. So you bless us and we receive our earnings. We receive your blessings. And, and then we look at the reality. We look for it. Perhaps our eyes are on the bills or our eyes are on the, the needs that we have or the wants. And, and you're the last one. We, we do, we pay everyone or we do all the things that we want to do mostly. And then when it comes to you, there's, uh, there, there is a difference. Uh, there's a stiff arm. And maybe it's, you know our hearts, it's not intentional. It's just because we're afraid and we lack faith. And we, there's a lack of trust in your word. A, a, last, a lack of process and discipline and, and stewardship. And um, that's, you want to change that. And that's why the, the spirit of this message is, is to understand the heart of generosity is where God's heart is. And if we could just shift and allow the spirit of God 
to make that change in our lives, in our lives to the glory of God, to the glory of God, to the glory of God. I'm going to ask this church to stand. Would you stand with us? Um, there's always someone that comes, and if you are not not confident or comfortable that you are born again, if you're not like, if you're not sure what that even means, like like you have received Jesus Christ, you you believe in God, or else you probably wouldn't be here. Uh, but but maybe you've never confessed Jesus or asked Jesus to come into your heart and save you, and like make you a new person and 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 remove it the stigma of your pain and your past and your shame. And and perhaps this morning you're you're here because that's that's the reason God brought you, even though this message is is a different message. Because I'd like to give everyone an opportunity this morning to say yes to God. Would you bow your head, church? Would you bow your head with me? If that's you and you say, Pastor, I, I want to be I want to be right with God. I want to make my life right. I want to make sure that my life is right with God and that I I want to receive it. I want to be confident that Jesus Christ lives in my heart and that he is my Lord and Savior. If that's you, right, just would you just lift up your hand because just lift your hand up your arm because I want to be able to pray with you and for you. I see your hand back there. That's awesome. Boy, I see hands here. That's so awesome. That is so awesome that, that, that today God is bringing people to his kingdom and that you feel like I need to give my life right with God. It's wrong. I, I feel like I feel convicted. There is sin in my life. There is disobedience. I'm not walking right with God. It, that is so awesome just to see all these hands go up because right now you could settle it once and for all. Right now, settle it once and for all. I'm going to say a prayer and I'm going to invite you to say this prayer with me. And then church, I'm going to invite you to say it with all of us, with those that have raised their arms and their hands. And then for those of you that didn't raise your arm, you didn't raise your hand, but you did in your heart. You want to start all over. I want you to join in as well with all of us, all everyone here in this church. So church, would you repeat this prayer? Lord Jesus, today I surrender my life completely to you. My heart, my mind, my soul, and my body, I surrender. I bring it to you and ask you for you to redeem it. Save me from my sins. Deliver me from my past and make me a new person through Christ Jesus, your son, my savior. And then help me with the power of your Holy Spirit to live for you and your glory in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a clap. Thank you so very much for joining us today on the Lifehouse podcast. I pray and hope this message has encouraged, inspired, and challenged you to grow closer to God. If you would like to be a part of what God is doing here at Lifehouse, visit our website at lifehousechurch.com. That's lifehousechurch.com for more information or consider subscribing and share it with one of your friends and family. Thank you again for being part of our journey, your journey that will lead you to know God better, grow together and go serve and make a difference. Thank you again. God bless you. See you next time.